0: This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Hey guys, welcome back to The Comeback. I am here with Jillian and Mitchell Jones. So excited to have y'all today. Uh, We have connected recently uh, with a mutual friend uh, that is associated with Good Landing, and it has just been a a privilege to be able to hear y'all's story. To know where you came from, that there is a God that is still in the business of rescuing people and rewriting people's stories. Um, you know, I was just thinking before y'all got here because I know a little bit about how it unfolded, and and just the creativity of God. You know, I think a lot of times, especially for us that are, um, you know that that would that run treatment centers. You know, your hopes are that everything would be linear. You're going to come in on day one, and you're going to be serious about, you know, that about letting addiction go, never returning to that life, and you're going to graduate at 90 days or however long the program is, and then you're just going to go off and live happily ever after. And while that would be the goal of this kind of textbook finish, the deal is is God can do it any way He wants to. I know with me, I went through ten treatment centers. Um, you know, so many different times that I felt like that I could have had it. You know, I know another friend of mine that's um, that's over in Israel right now, in that in that region of the United States, doing missions. And he was a alcoholic, you know, big time partier. And he was sitting literally on the on the dock of some, you know, a dock like overlooking some lake, drinking a fifth of liquor. And the Lord just encounters him. And then this revival breaks out with all of his, his friend group. And so just so neat how how God can do it any way he wants to. So I'm excited to be able to share with our listeners y'all's story. Uh, Jillian, if you would start us and, and, and give us a little summary on how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, my name is Jillian Jones, and I am 28 years old. I grew up in... Coming Georgia, originally from Milton. And um, what changed my life was a car accident. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was 14 years old, I was in a car accident. Um, I flew out the windshield and the car landed on top of me where I broke my hip and my ankle. And I, I was life flighted to the children's hospital and later, I was moved um, to the Atlanta Medical C- Center where I had 10 more sur- ten surgeries in total. Um, I was prescribed many different pain medicines, um, trying to manage my pain as it was horrible. Um, you know, I had to take it. I was just in too much pain. And the, um, the doctors told my mom that I would be addicted to pain pills before it was over with, and they were right. Um, I was also shortly after being released from the hospital, um, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and, um, I was prescribed all kinds of benzodiazepines like Xanax and Valium and things like that, um, to try to help with my panic attacks and my night terrors and things like that. And that led to addiction of those as well. And, um, what addiction looked like for me was was obviously the the pain meds that I was prescribed to and um, the the anxiety medications that I was prescribed. But I started to think I can do this on my own. Um, I'm tired of going to the doctors. I'm tired of, you know, doing all the things that they have me doing, and I'm just tired of it. I want this part of my life to be over with, so I'm gonna try to self-medicate and um, see if I can do this better than what they think they can do. So I started using heroin and meth um, <clears throat> to replace what I was hooked on. And it soon... How old were you when that happened? Um, heroin and meth, I started using heroin and meth probably at the age of uh, 16. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, I it became very quickly, I was an IV drug user and... Um, I had someone who was very close to me um, die um, while he was in a rehab, and he relapsed. Mm -hmm. And um, they found him with a needle still in his arm. And um, from that point on, I can remember my grief just grew. And um, I was lonely. I had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of self-hate. I thought I couldn't see anything other than all the people that I was around, I thought, you know, if I progress this way, I'll be more liked or, you know, this is what, this is who I am. You know, this is what, this is the way that I'm supposed to be. There's no better life for me. You know, I just have to keep going in this way. And those were all lies of the enemy. Um, that's how he spoke to me by telling me that I didn't fit in and I wasn't, um, able to, Go around my family. I didn't need to be alone, and all these different feelings that I was having that furthered my addiction. Um, and really, the main thing is that I thought that the enemy was stronger than God, and you know that that's where I belonged. And you know that's just so not true. Um, but I um, got pregnant with my first daughter. Um, she's now five. And I immediately went back to drug using again. As soon as I was done, I breastfed her for a couple of months and then immediately went back to using. Um, My mom, who is really all the family I had other than my sister at the time, um, disassociated from me. I was so mean and nasty that you couldn't be around me. Yeah. And uh, I think that just kind of goes along with it. You know, you, you you harden your heart by the things that you do and um, the ways that you act um, in addiction. And it makes it um, hard for you to be around your family. And that's where I was with my mother. And I'm very close with my mother. I've always been very close with her, but it was tearing us apart. So, and this is several this is skipping a whole lot, but, um, several years later, um, I stole a car and my mom bailed me out of jail. Finally, I sat in there for several months. And, um, one of the agreements that we had was that I would sign over temporary guardianship to her. Um, and even though that's not what I wanted to do, I felt like at the time I know my mom's gonna take care of her. I know she won't she won't keep her from me, and that's what's best for my daughter because I had shown in the past that I couldn't get it together. Um, so that's what I did. I signed her temporary guardianship to her, and she was getting a little bit older to where she could ask for me, you know, wondering where I was at. Um, you know. So that was hard for me, um, coming to the realization that my daughter's starting to get bigger and here I am still doing the same old things. So when I got out of jail, I made the decision in my, heart, in, my, in my mind that I was going to get clean, no matter what it took. Even though my body and my flesh still wanted to use, I had to begin to pray, Lord, change my mind this isn't good for me lord you have to change my mind i have the desire to get high i want to get high i like the way that it makes me feel and lord you have to change that in me you have to and that is exactly what he did and um i stayed sober and i got a job my first job that i had ever had since my car accident i had always been disabled it's the label that i put on myself and um i was still living with drug addicts though so, um, in a house with all kinds of people up all hours of the night, trying to work, people sawing on stuff in the middle of the night, <laughs> just like I have to get up at six o'clock in the morning. Please, y'all, be quiet. Like you never know who's gonna be in and out. And I just really had con- connected with some of those people and was trying to trying to stay in it, even though I couldn't use anymore. Um, and then. So just to add a little bit more in there, by the time I was 17, I had been arrested 18 times um, as a juvenile wow. um, for runaways, unrulies, things like that. Um, but I never got in a whole lot of trouble because, as far as drugs went because I was prescribed everything that I was taking at that time. And then I went to, a little bit before this, I'm sorry, I went to Abba House, and I went to several group homes as an as a, um, adolescent in coming and in Alabama where my mom was trying to get me some help for the issues that I was having. And none of that worked out for me. I just wasn't ready. And um, so the way that I started to get my life together, um was i started i started i was wondering if anyone could love me if i was worth loving after all that i had done and everyone i had hurt and all the lies that i had told and all the sh- sh- scheming and conniving and all that stuff that goes with it i was wondering if if anybody could see me any different and um I came across something um, out of the Bible, and this is one of my favorite things out of here, and it says, um, it's out of Deuteronomy um, 33 through 8, and it says, God your God will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. God, your God, will cut away the thick calluses on your heart and your children's heart freeing you to love God your God with your whole heart and soul and live, really live. God your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hated you and were out to get you, and you will make a new start, listening obediently to God, keeping all his commandments that I am commanding you today. And um, that is, God made that promise long, 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 long time ago. And um, I really have held on to that because I see the fruit of it. I see that it it's true. He keeps his promises and he's faithful. So how I started believing those prom, that promise was I got pregnant and I made a decision that I was not going to live. This is my second child that I'm speaking of and I was not going to live with an addict and I was not going to do it and I just made that decision so I I knew that I couldn't relapse and I began to cut out all secular music Um, that was the first thing that I did and I would only worship and there were many many nights that the Lord would keep me up praising him and worshiping him and that's really where I got a connection with him um, was in my praise and worship and um, I could feel really hear him during that time, and I began to hear him even clearer when I cut out all the secular music, um, where I wasn't listening to all the other stuff that was out there, all, all I wanted to hear was him and his voice, I was really chasing after him. And um, so I, after the birth of my second daughter, I started to attend church on a regular basis at War Hill. Um, and I began to pray for my child's father, who did drugs for over 10 years. Um, but I knew that God could save him. And I loved him so much that I was I was willing to give him up. But I, I did continue to pray for him. And again, God would keep me up all the time, praying for him, praying for him. Just I was just constantly interceding for him um, crying out to God for him more than, more than anybody I've ever cried out for. And, um, so during that time, I, I was still feeling real defeated and broken. And I was like, you know, I guess I'm just going to be alone with two kids and just, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And so I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give him to you. And I'm going to go get in the water tonight. And I'm going to be baptized, Lord. And I am giving it all up. I surrender to you. And I really, really, really meant it. And when I got into the water, I was baptized at week 33 at the North Georgia Revival. And I was um, overcome by the tangible presence of Jesus Christ. And it is a moment that I will never forget. And it sustains me this day and um right then and there in that water he began to deliver me and um truly truly amazing to me
0: yeah
1: and um so today um I'm able to witness to other people and that really makes me happy um because I have been through it and I would just love to be able to give hope to somebody who might be looking at life the way I used to look at it. Um, so where I am right now is um, my reward for serving Jesus now one of them one of the many rewards I have is um that I rest in peace and I know that no one is chasing me yeah. and that's out of first Kings five four and um that's a, another promise. You know, I can lay my head down at night and not feel anxious and not worry who's going to be rummaging through my stuff or if I'm going to have to pick up and go in the middle of the night. Are the cops going to come and arrest me? Am I going to die? Is my friend sitting next to me going to die? I rest in peace.
2: Yeah.
1: And now I'm married to the man that I used to pray for. And, um, we have a third child together. So um, seeing God save him after I prayed for him showed me the power of prayer and it built my faith. And um, now I'm almost done with getting my GED while I've been raising three kids, which if you don't know is incredibly hard. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's awesome.
1: And we have a stable home and environment for our children that's safe. We have a new car for our whole family to fit in because there's so many of us. (laughs) Um, I just started two new businesses selling homemade soap and um, Belgium chocolates. And my husband has a stable job that he's had for a while now, which is really cool. Um, And he works for a Christian family. Okay. Um, I have tasted and seen God is faithful and that he keeps his promises.
0: Yeah, that is incredible. You've hit on so much. And I know that man that you were praying for is actually here with us. So we get to hear from him as too. But, you know, just, you know, I think about the, just the worship, um, you know, of, and and, and all of this, you know, not fueled by, by legalism, but this desire just to want more of the Lord and say, man, I'm getting rid of the mixture. I don't want any other voices I want to get rid of the 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 secular music and you know some people could potentially hear this and just say well i'm not giving that up and i mean but but that's that's the rubber meets the road kind of stuff like i knew in my journey that there there was a time where where i had to get rid of all that stuff and i had one third day cd and i wore that thing out you know and it had like it came with a little dvd and i could watch that in the morning and then I had the CD for my car. But, you know, those, those were some of the the best days. And I think that that CD had twelve songs on it. And I listened to it so much that every one of those songs at some point like literally became my favorite song. And but that was where I was I was renewed and changed, you know, and you just hit on so much of that. And then your obedience to get in the water. We've I've heard about the North Georgia revival. I've been up there, I've been in that water and the miracles that have happened there, you know? And, and I think again, you know, somebody that could be listening to this podcast and say, "Oh, no, that's, that's bizarre. That's weird. But the thing is, is, is that we get to a place where we're saying, like, I, I want God, like, I I do not want to live like this anymore. I don't want to just keep, you know, finding myself in all these horrible situations. And, if it is the North George Revival or God is moving in Greenville, Mississippi, I don't care like I want to be where he's at and and um, and you know and it's obviously not you know chasing conferences or anything but just this like I just I just desperately need God but um, anyway, it was just powerful um, so would love to hear from that man that you were praying for.
2: Hey, my name's is Mitchell. And, uh, so I've been to 11 different treatment centers, um, you know, forced by the courts also, uh, you know, I, I went cause my parents wanted me to go and, and we were, we were on the way here. And, uh, I was thinking about what my parents have been through, um, through this. And I just remember going through the first couple of treatment centers and, and, um, you know, I, I was addicted to heroin meth. I was an IV drug user, um, you know addicted to just really i was a try anything once type deal that's what i kind of made a decision when i was younger is i'm gonna try everything once um you know i just I just went for it you know and uh but yeah i just remember my parents and they you know i just remember they saw so much failure uh with people that didn't get it and me not getting it um and then you know and but there was no Christ there. Whenever I went to these different treatment centers, it was all 12 step. And, you know, we had, we went to the meetings we went to everything, but you know, it was not centered around God. And to me, I just, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't see it. And other people were getting the God, you know, getting God and getting Jesus, but I just didn't get it myself. So, um, I went to several treatment centers, several hospitals, um, went to a place called Harmony Homes at one point, and then I went to uh, the Palm House. Just kept relapsing. Um, didn't really care. I was, you know, sentenced there, and and it was a, it was a lax place. And then um, I remember I went to the Bridges of Hope, and it was a lockdown facility. And I was like, you know what? These people have read the Bible uh, that I've seen, and these other people that have found Jesus. I want to read the Bible. You know, I still didn't, I didn't so much believe at that point, but I was like, I'm going to read it anyway. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna read it, and it's something to read. And so I just, I read it and studied it, you know, and I, I prayed every night. I'd get on my knees and uh, still, you know, I guess I, I might have been just too young. I don't know what it was for me. I, I keep trying to think back, like, how did I not figure it out? You know, how did I not figure it out? But it just, it wasn't God's moment for me to to find him. It wasn't, it wasn't that time for, you know, for me to find God. But um, that's my past is that I really, you know, I think back to my past and I don't want to glorify it. I don't want to, you know, because it's not, it is literally nothing, you know, drugs are literally nothing. After I've found, you know, um, Jesus and I have been sober. I can, I can now look back and be like, man, that is, that is no way to live. I was miserable. I was I was in so much pain and that's what I think back is I think back and I can remember the feelings. The feelings I had when I was when I was getting high. I can remember just miserable shame. I can remember laying on the floor and crying in a treatment center because I just could not stop getting high. Everyone around me was getting high and it was just a flop house. And I just remember just so much regret, guilt. Um, I would always think about my parents through this, through the times I was getting high, and just think about how ashamed they would be of me, or just my family. And it would just, it would just completely consume me. I was very quiet because I just literally had nothing. I mean, I was empty. I was like a shell. It was like something was missing in my heart. A hole was there, and you know, little did I know that it was god that i was missing so i was trying to fill it with drugs i was trying to fill it with different things and just nothing would work i never could get it i was you know just just never got it and i've been to jail a lot um, i've been through some consequences nothing helped me with the consequences i just it just didn't come that way i didn't i didn't find it you know i didn't find jesus that way but let's see here and so i remember I do remember whenever I was I was with my wife Jillian, and we got high together, um, and you know we we'd always fight. We get in like huge fights. She busted my windshield several times with rocks. Um, <laughs> she you know she's chucked me out a couple times. We've wrestled for phones. I mean, it's been it was wild, uh, very very wild. So. You know, me and her—I mean, I never had met anyone like that before in my life, so it kind of shocked me. <laughs> just, uh, just going through that. Not to talk bad about my wife or nothing. She's a completely different person now. But, <laughs> but man, it was—it was—it uh, was wild. And, and I remember, you know, I just—I continuously got worse and worse. I'd been off the the opiates for a while at that point, and I was just—I just moved to the you know the upper stuff and and. And I just continuously just kept falling and falling, losing weight. I was skinny as a rail, you know, skin and bones. Um, and I remember when she went to jail, and she got out, and she stayed sober. You know, despite me getting high around her, I was the guy sawing the stuff in the house that she was living in, staying up all night. <laughs> That's and. So- Fuck. I can't believe she stayed sober, but she did, and she really did. And I never would tell her I was getting high. She would, you know, accuse me and everything, and I just never would tell her. I'm like, uh, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. nope, that's not me. Uh, but yeah, so and you know, and then and then I started I started just going all out. Um, I started using um, Xanax really bad, and so I just started you know blacking out. Um, I started seeing other women. I you know left her and you know and she thought we were still together in my mind I don't really know what I was thinking you know in my mind I was who knows who was so, thinking yeah <laughs> but I, I ran around and, and was with different women and things like that and 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 I finally came back and Jillian had just her, she started to change but she didn't you know she she still was very angry and she still had a lot of i would say craziness that I that I could it just really upset me and so every time I went back, and then I finally just left for good. We got in a big fight, and I left for good, and I went and lived with this girl in Atlanta for a while. Well, I remember that was the most miserable three months of my life, and I don't know what it was. Um, it was it was miserable. I was using every day and everything like that, but I felt like my heart had been ripped out. I just had a baby. Um, her name's Charlotte and I, I just had her, but I couldn't even be part of her life. And Jillian told me, Hey, you're not going to be a part of your child's life at all. You keep using drugs, you won't get sober. So, you know, and eventually I was like, you know, someone dropped me off at my house cause they didn't even want to be around me anymore. This person dropped me off at my own, my parents' house They're like, get out of my car, you know, cause I was so rough. And, uh, I remember going to my parents' house. I was like, I think I've had enough. I think I want to figure this out. I think I want to change, but I just don't know how. So, um, I'm I'm sitting there on my parents' porch and Jillian stops by with my daughter. And, uh, and I remember sitting on that porch, studying her. I was looking in her eyes. I was looking at her like, what is so different about her? She looks completely different. And it wasn't that her looks were different. It was, it was her attitude, the way she carried herself. She was calm, collected. And I just looked at her and I said, I want what you have. What do you, what do you, how did you figure that out? What is going on? What do you have that, that you could be like this? You completely changed. And uh, she's like, I found Jesus and you need him too. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'll try it. I'll go to church with you. You know, I was a little frightful. I was like the Holy spirit. What is that? You know, like where are these people, (laughs) you know, speaking in tongues, stuff like this. And I was really scared of it when really all in all that's, (laughs) you know, that had nothing to, to, it was just, you know, fear playing up, fear playing up, giving me reasons to, to not go. But I, I decided I'd go. So I went with her, um, to the church at Warhill where she had been attending for a couple, you know, several months. And, uh, and I remember, I just, I just stayed quiet. I, I didn't try to think. I just stayed quiet and listened, and just took it in. I remember just, you know, trying not to think for myself, saying, "Hey, I'm giving up. I'm giving up my old part of life. I'm giving up the way I was living. I'm done with that." I, I remember, you know, making that decision, say, "That's it. I am done." You know, and I'm a man. I can make that decision. <laughs> That's what I kept remembering. Like I'm making that decision right now. So I went to church and I remember I would think about like what people were wearing or how someone looked on stage and I would be judging them and I just remember completely changing my my thoughts and saying, Jesus, Jesus. In my head, I'd just keep repeating his name. Just so I'd enter those negative thoughts from the enemy out of my head. They were so powerful. They they had taken over my mind. I'd be sitting in church and just horrible things would be going through my head. And um, but you know, the past I went that Wednesday and then then I went the next Sunday. And on Sunday, you know, he asked at the end of service, um, does anyone want to accept Jesus as their Savior? And I was like, you know, I I think I – right here, you know, I raised my hand, and everyone had their heads bowed. And, you know, we don't try to, you know, uh, embarrass anybody at the church. But, you know, I I said it, and I knew I meant it, and I believed it, and I accepted Jesus as my Savior right then and there. I said, I am going to – figure this out. I'm going to have a relationship with Jesus. I saw what he did for my wife. I saw what's going on there. I know it's real. Let's, let's try to figure this out. So, you know, her and her friend were like, Hey, you know, the North Georgia revivals tonight, you should come. And I was like, yes, just, I just kept saying yes to everything. They kept saying, Hey, you should go down to the altar. I'm like, yeah. Okay. And so I'd go down, not know anything. I would just get on my knees and just, you know, try to pray. And, and I, I just didn't know how, you know, I didn't really know anything. And I was so new to it. And uh, so we went to the revival and she had been. So she kind of had some experience with it. Um, and we listened to the message and and she went around. She's like, hey, will you pray for my husband? I mean, pray for. It was, we weren't married at the time. You know, will you pray for my boyfriend? And so she went around and people would pray for me. And I literally just would stay quiet and I would listen to every word intently because I knew I needed it. I knew there was nothing else that would work, you know? Um, so I, I just kept listening and listening and, and God. And so I decided to get baptized at the North Georgia revival. They do, you know, baptisms there. And, um, and so I went into the water and, you know, and I, he said, I want you to raise your hands. And I remember raising my hands as high as I could go. My shirt comes up all the way to my belly button. Uh, I almost exposed on TV because they're recording this, you know. But it's like <laughs> I, I, it's complete surrender. I was, you know, yeah. complete surrender. I was like, hey, you know, all the way up. I'm done. <laughs> and I remember that I just – it was it's so surreal that I don't – I remember the pastor telling my wife, after I was baptized, I remember I couldn't get up. Um, the Holy Spirit had just come all over me, and and I remember I couldn't get up. I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was the Holy Spirit, and and it was, and I just couldn't get up. And I remember my wife telling me after, "Hey, the pastor told me that you know I don't think you understand. He will never be the same." And and she told me that, and I was like, you know, okay, well maybe he's right. <laughs> you know, like not thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but I remember afterwards I got in the car and I laughed all the way home uncontrollable laughter never experienced anything like that in my life it was it was very new um, for something just to take over my body and me just uncontrollably laugh for 30 minutes and when I got home I'd had this obsession of using you know I wanted to use every single day up until this point um just the thought that I could, and it was, it was meth. And so I just thought that it was, it was still in my brain, like, hey, I'm going to eventually go back to that. I'm going to eventually, it was just an obsession. I really I couldn't get past it. For 10 years, I couldn't get past that, either with opiates, uppers, anything like that. I just never could get past the obsession of wanting and you know, searching for the drugs. And um, I, I remember when I got home, I went to sleep, and I was just at calm, and I woke up the next day, and I did not have the obsession. I did not have the want. Amen. It was like everything was OK, and I believed in it. And I haven't had an obsession to use drugs since that day. Mm-hmm. And I would call that a miracle, because after 10 years of my life wanting and obsessing over the drugs, um, and then you know accepting Christ as my savior, and then getting baptized for me not to have that obsession still to this day, blows my mind. Um, there was a lot of work behind it. There is a lot of, you know, you don't just, there's no snapping your fingers and you're sober, you know, obviously. Um, there's a lot of work behind it. I had to, I attend church every Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, you know, I was, I, I made friends inside the church. I made friends that were Christians. Instead of going back to my old friends, I literally erased my old Facebooks, got rid of my old number and started fresh, yes. you know, and, I saw that as me being born again. Um, if it, if there were a definition of born again, I feel like that would be me being born into the, you know, into Christ right there. Um, so yeah. So my wife, she would only listen to Christian music. And, and I remember I said, I'm going to try that. I'm, I'm just going to listen to Christian music with her. And I started enjoying it. It was the weirdest thing. It's like before I could not listen to it now. I mean, you know, even then, the beginning, I was like, "Wow, this actually sounds good." I, I even started memorizing the words. Um, it just started coming to me, um, and that was probably one of the key things that happened in my life was changing my music because music goes straight to your heart, you know. And I found that out through the years. Is music is very important in your life. If you're listening to cussing and and all of these things about drugs, I mean, obviously, it's going to affect you because I, I even. I even went back and tried to listen to some of the other music and it's like, I just couldn't hear it. You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't feel it. Like I just, it just didn't enter. It didn't interest me at all. Yeah. Um, so I, for the first year, at least I only listened to Christian music and, I'd be in work. I'd be taking a delivery for my work, which I work for a Christian company, um, and I'd be listening to the to Christian music in the car and just purposely praising God. So that's what my goal was: was to to praise Him. I'd sing out loud. Uh, it's embarrassing because I can't really sing, but you know I I'd do it anyway. Why not? I mean, I've been through all of these. I've been through so much stuff, so much crud in my life, just horrible things that I have done to myself nothing can embarrass me now. I mean, I've been through some, some junk, you know, like my parents have seen it. I've laid it all out there, you know, all my friends. And I was embarrassed my brother and sister, you know, have disowned me as a sibling. Like they just, they didn't even see me as their brother anymore. So I had no care. I was like, you know, I'm I'm full force going to let this, let this be out there. You know, I'm a follower of Christ and i wanted to be out there that i was you know i wasn't going to hide it and jillian told me something too is you know if you know if you feel the if you feel the need to go down to the altar and you don't you're actually quenching the spirit so you know that that's quenching the spirit you just let it go like do it you know um and so that's that's kind of how i learned
0: so good man it really is just powerful story i'm over here in tears just listening to um you know, God's faithfulness, you know, and, and, you know, especially like whenever, you, when you were talking about, man, I'm just sitting there so intently listening to every person's word as they were praying over you. And and I think about those moments. I think about, you know, in some of my really, really dark moments and I was out at Bethel Reading and, and when people would pray and it's just, it's literally, and, and the prophetic and people that really pray in the, in the, power of the Holy Spirit and that it can be the difference between life or death for somebody and, and just how powerful that is um, and and then too a lot of the practical things of just where you're at you know and then you know and how how um, you know the the mind just gets infiltrated with all of the thoughts of the enemy because when we're out there and we're using then what we've done is we've given the devil, in the demonic realm, unhindered access into our mind. And so you're sitting there in church, and I think so many people can relate to this. Sometimes you just forget because you get you get so far removed from the last time that you got high, and you forget about, like, man, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to pray and, like, every God-awful thing that could possibly come up, like, what in the world? Well, yeah, well, what in the world is, like, you know, for the past decade, you've just given the enemy access into your mind and, and just— The fact that God is teaching you spiritual warfare and you're on like day zero and you just know like, I'm going to say Jesus, I'm going to say Jesus and just do your best with what you had to be able to take those thoughts captive Mm -hmm. so that your mind didn't talk you out of the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and then obviously, you know, seeing the supernatural deliverance um, that, that took place but then you saying you know what like i'm not going back like i'm going to i'm going to start i'm going to listen to christian music and you know oh my gosh i like it yeah. <laughs> and and you find out and that that's that's how it is now you know if i go back and you know try to listen to secular rap or whatever i'm mean, like i remember the first time like i heard some christian rap and i'm like is this like kitty corner you know what kind of nonsense is this like the, you know <laughs> like i just didn't know rap unless it had you know 8 million cuss words and all the worst stuff in it and and then now, you know, listening, you know, I'm sitting over there thinking like, first of all, you don't even have a Probably a fraction of what you're even talking about, and I'm like, and if you do have it, you're going to lose it. You know, you know. I mean, it's just, I mean, whatever. You, and just everything sensual, everything demonic, yes. and now that stuff, you're just like, dude, you're you're a moron. Like, why would you even, you know, sit over there and and to pretend like you're somebody that you're that you're really not? Because this, this is who we're made to be. Yes. We're made to be in God's presence. We're made to know Him. We're made to love Him. And so, just to hear y'all's story um, and, and how God, you know, did it and, and, you know, and going back and, you know, praying for him and, you know, showing back up maybe whenever, you know, everybody else said, you probably shouldn't show back up and, and God did a miracle. And then here y'all are, you know, in the middle of this, you know, thriving marriage and, you know, God doing so much and just with, with everything. It's just, just awesome. And just so, so, so proud of y'all, so honored to, to know y'all. And thanks for driving over to, share this
2: yeah it was an it was an honor man and i do want to say you know god gave me the opportunity to lead someone to christ and i felt like that was i don't know that that really was awesome um to see to see someone accept christ you know uh i really was proud of that and i really give him thanks for that and uh and we you know i just want to say we we've prayed about several things and god has given them to us uh you know I first started tithing to our church, um, you know, 10% and, and we, we prayed over, it. we're like, Hey, uh, cause that didn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry, but it was, it was hard for me to give money. Um, it really was like, <laughs> to me, that was hard. Okay. And I was like, God, and it says in the Bible that, you know, test him in your finances. And that's the one part in the Bible that it says, test God. Cause you don't test God, but it does say test him in your finances. So, I did, you know, I did. I was like, I'm going to try it. I want you, if you could just show me what this means, how, you know, how this will affect my life if I'm giving money. So we prayed over it and I was, I'd given a total in two weeks, I'd given $150 in tithes, my 10%. And on that Friday morning of the two weeks, I, I, it was 150, not even two hours later after I deposited that tithe through the online thing um my dad calls me and he goes hey man i just got a call from my boss and i was telling him how y'all hadn't been to the beach a couple of weeks ago and he just called me out of the blue just now and he said he wants to give y'all fifteen hundred dollars to go to the beach <laughs> i said what and to me that just blew my mind that's 10 times the amount 10 times wow. 10 times the amount exactly
0: yeah
2: Yes. Fifteen hundred dollars? How do you come up with that? Some you know, it's promise. only God. It yeah, really right. is, and only God. He, he works miracles. I've seen people. I've seen him work miracles in other people's lives. Um, he is powerful. He is here for you. You know, he is. He's been here for me. Um, and there's just so many different instances where we've prayed for a car, and just the right car would pop up. Boom! We bought a car. You know, where everything else didn't look as good, and it was just it was hard to find a good car. And we'd pray over it, and a couple weeks later, boom, online. The only one that looked like it was, you know, just just different things. And
1: There is power in prayer.
2: Yes. There he He's is. He's
1: listening, he is. and he wants to give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. So when you pray, just make sure you pray for things in his will, because he might just give them to you. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's right. So good. And I'm glad you mentioned the finances, too, because – You know, again, a lot of people that are listening to this are probably on the front of their journey, and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, that pastor just wants your money or whatever." And it's no; it is that that we know that God can do more, or that you know, with 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 us just keeping ninety percent, than if we try to keep our whole one hundred and in and and our best manipulation and you know, trying to be you know wise with that or whatever, it's better to take that and give that to the Lord and he's going to bless us and take care of us, you know, and just to see that so quick. um, It's just true. I mean, that's been the experience in my life, you know, and not, you know, realizing like he's the one that, that gives it all to us anyway. Um, So just so, so much good stuff just on the front end, you know, especially on, I mean, I'm just thinking about people that are coming into the kingdom now and, you know, wondering about prayer and wondering about, you know, why, why give and all that. But, you're right, man. Scripture is clear on that. And he is faithful. He is faithful. He is he is not a man and he will not lie. Yeah. But he is he is God. He's true. So thank you all so much for being here today. Um, us. Yeah, us. we'll do it again for sure. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call It's 770-570-7422.